Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked on Bama. I'm Luke Robinson. He's Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good, good. I, I consider Thursday is really the start of the football week, although the Sunbelt Conference messed it up last night by putting a game on. But Thursday is really the start of the new football week, so uh, pretty excited. And I'll tell you something else that's exciting. We have figured out how to add another person to our podcast unbelievably uh, against all odds, we have used technology to our advantage, and we are going to welcome in Mr. Josh Ward from Locked On Vols, their podcast for all things Tennessee. Josh, how are you today? Hey, guys. Good to be with you. Excited for this. We're doing a little collaboration here with Locked On Vols and Locked On Bama. Yeah, it is very cool, and we appreciate your being on. Um, you know, I know the Tennessee Alabama rivalry has been rather one-sided over the last decade or so. And I'm sure that sticks in your craw a little bit, but we've been on the other side of this thing. We know how it goes. Um, what is the overall mood in Tennessee right now? I mean, are guys, are, are people satisfied? That's a bad word. Are people okay with Jeremy Pruitt in the direction of the program, especially coming off the win over Mississippi state, or are there still some lingering uh, ill will after the the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think that the last few weeks have helped with that because at the beginning of the season when Tennessee lost to Georgia State and then to BYU, that was not good for anybody within the program. That was not good for the fan base, which had you know gone through the summer months, gone through a long offseason, building up anticipation for a year where the team and the program were expected to take a step forward. And then that happened. But since then things have gotten a little bit better and uh, that's from player development, uh, the way that Tennessee has played along the line of scrimmage, the quarterback change fans were very frustrated with Jarrett Garantano's performance in the first month of the season. Rightfully so he wasn't playing well, nowhere close to where he should have been playing. And then uh, Brian Maurer comes in as a true freshman and he has a long way to go to be what they want him to be as a quarterback, but he's made some plays. He's provided some excitement for, the fans, the coaching staff, his teammates, and and that's a good thing. But there's still a long way to go. Uh, but I would say compared to where things uh, were at the very beginning of the season, they're better now. Everybody recognizes there's a, a lot of work to be done for Tennessee to get to where everybody expects Tennessee football to be and yeah, certainly to be anywhere close to where Alabama has been over the last 10-plus years with Nick Saban. How is the uh, how's the, uh, this is Jimmy Stein, Josh? Uh, how is uh, how is your uh, your freshman quarterback? I know he's in is he in concussion protocol? I believe he has been, and the expectation has seemed over the last few days that Brian Mauer is going to be good to go for Tennessee on Saturday night. They're also going to have Jared Garantano ready. Game time decision. I wonder if it really is that. That's what we've been told by Jeremy Pruitt over the last couple of days. But if he's cleared. Thursday or Friday, I wouldn't expect Tennessee to announce that. If, if that's the case, then they're going to know before they go through warmups. Now, it, he can say that, and it can be partly monitoring Brian and look and see how he looks through warmups. But behind the scenes, if he's practicing and they're giving him first team reps, that is to get him ready to play. So, assuming he's cleared, and that has been the expectation, I haven't talked to anybody that doesn't expect Brian Maurer to be the starting quarterback. He should be ready. But Tennessee is getting Garantano ready. Because if Brian Maurer struggles, they could make a change. Or if Maurer gets hurt, uh, then he could, you know, at that point he'd have to come out. He he was injured against Georgia twice and had to come out of the game. And then 
uh, suffered the injury in the second quarter against Mississippi State, and Garantano finished it out. So uh, Jarrett will be ready. He's a, a fourth-year guy who knows how to run the offense, but Tennessee is still looking to build with Brian Maurer. So, Josh, um, talk about Tennessee in terms of the SEC arms race. It seems like every week there's a, you know, a new water slide or some kind of fountain or – uh, you know, a j- big jumpy house or anything to help with the SEC arms race so that kids uh, can can have a lot of fun and relax and also have that camaraderie. Uh, where is Tennessee in terms of facilities in this conference? I think Tennessee is doing really well there. And across the league, it's a big focus. Tennessee has expanded its practice field to where they have three practice fields that they work on. Uh, outside. They also have an indoor facility, which has been there for a long time. When Jeremy Pruitt came in, his strength coach, Craig Fitzgerald, wanted a new strength uh, strength room uh, set up, and they did it for him. So a new weight room was put in, and that costs a lot of money. Tennessee has not spared an expense when it's come to putting together a coaching staff, support staff, and trying to increase and upgrade the facilities. With Philip Fulmer as the athletic director, He's going to continue to support Jeremy Pruitt in that. And Philip Fulmer, as much as anybody, wants Tennessee to succeed at a high level again. And he knows that facilities and uh, and resources for the coaching staff is going to have to be a priority. So it's cost a lot of money, and Tennessee doesn't have the results to this point. They are seeing it as an investment to get Tennessee football back. I think it's going to be a while, uh, but uh, in terms of – the ultimate expectations and that's competing for championships. But that's why you know, I think the second half of this season is so important in, in this game. The expectation is not to go win or be in the game in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. If that were to happen, fans would be beyond excited, but knowing that Tennessee's a 34 and a half point underdog, I think fans in this game want to see some progress, see Tennessee do some things well, similar to the Georgia game. Tennessee played well in the, in the first half or a lot of the first half ultimately lost by 29 points, but there was something to build on coming out of that game. I think fans want to see that in this game. And then next week against South Carolina, come back home, get a win, and then try to make some progress to get to a bowl game. If that happens, it would be a disappointing start to the season, but a really nice finish. A lot has to go into making that happen. You you don't just win one game against Mississippi state and that fixes everything. That's why Tennessee needs to make sure that it's focused. And the player response I think has been has been good to that. Uh, I'm curious on the other side, how has Alabama viewed this week, the Tennessee game, and then the Tennessee rivalry, which has a ton of history, but it's of course been so one-sided with what Alabama's done since Nick Saban arrived. Jimmy, you go ahead and take that first. Yeah, I think it's almost a generational thing, Josh. I think our our youngest fans, if you think about about students at Alabama who probably became football fans (laughs) – around the age of, let's say, 12. I mean, you know, they, they've never lost to Tennessee. They, they, don't, they don't know the, the, the mid-'90s Tennessee, the late-'90s Tennessee, Phil Fulmer's Tennessee. They don't know that. And I think they look at the Tennessee game as, well, what, what are all these old people talking about? And whereas the older generation of Alabama fans are still a, a lot of those, even those in power, uh, they still consider Tennessee – an enormous game, an enormous rivalry that immediately brings back memories. Uh, Luke and I, who, who uh, I, I like to uh, 
I like to pretend that we're in the middle of those generations and we're not one or the other. That's what I'm pretending this week anyway. Uh, this week we started our Locked on Bama podcast with our favorite Tennessee memories. And believe it or not, I guess because of our age, we didn't, we did, we didn't bring up uh, Amari Cooper or Julio Jones or anything that, uh, anything that Tua did last year. No, we, we talked about uh, surprising Alabama wins when, when Tennessee was among the national elite. So in terms of how Alabama and Alabama fans view this game, it almost depends on what age group you're talking to. The youngest Alabama fans, the students, uh, they, they don't know the history of this game. And with Alabama winning 12 in a row, they, they probably haven't looked it up. But the older generation of Alabama fans, I think, holds this game in some level of almost religious esteem. I mean, it's the third Saturday in October. Everyone knows what that means and all the traditions that go with it. So I think uh, it's still a big game. Uh, it's still a game everyone looks forward to. And at the same time, I think everyone recognizes, uh, you know, the situation that Jeremy Pruitt inherited at Tennessee and that Tennessee is in the midst of, of frankly, it's just a rebuilding job. And, and I think everyone sees the matchup that way. But the tradition, the rivalry, as far as most Alabama fans, and particularly the older ones, it's still there. I think no, I'm, I'm right. Yeah, I think it's that way with the Tennessee rivalry as as well on the Tennessee side with the rivalry um, that depending on which age group you talk to, uh, you're going to get a different kind of response. And uh, on my radio show in Knoxville, Sports 180 on Thursday, we had Joey Kent on the show, former Tennessee wide receiver, great player in the in the mid 90s, uh, one of the greatest players in Tennessee history. And in, in 95, he had that big catch on play number one. Uh, which is one of the favorite plays by many Tennessee fans. And that helped get things going on Tennessee side where they had that winning streak. And Joey's a Huntsville, Alabama native and uh, then chose to play at Tennessee. So we talked to him about how much it means to him. And uh, he's a guy that uh, I guess he's probably in his early 40s now. So he would be he would be in that range where so many fans had seen the ups and the downs, but each side experiencing big time success. And of course, he's a former player, so he experienced it on the field as well. But it means so much to him, the Tennessee-Alabama game, and and he you know, almost desperately wants to see it get back. So I, I think he speaks for a lot of people when he says that. If But if if I ask somebody who's 20 years younger, they can have a much different perspective on the game. I, I'm probably in an age range where you get differing opinions, and, and the Florida game for Tennessee fans my age are probably looking at it and saying, well, that's our, our number one, and Florida's actually – had a big advantage against the Vols the last decade and a half. But I think it's very much uh, age-dependent on what kind of response you get on both sides, Tennessee or Alabama, and how that rivalry is is viewed. And I think everybody looks at it as, yes, it, it's been a rivalry, but, man, the rivalry has been negatively affected in terms of the buildup because of how well Alabama's played here the last – well, since Nick Saban arrived in 2007 and and how one side of the game has been. In 2009 and 2015, those are the only two years since Saban arrived – that Tennessee's really had a shot in the fourth quarter to knock off Alabama, and, and Tennessee came up short, of course, in both times. Yeah, and Joey Kent, that brings up some memories too. That is who I think of when I think of this rivalry because he made a point. I mean, he was pretty adamant that uh, when he went to Tennessee, he's, he became a Tennessee guy, and he wanted he made it clear that going to play Alabama was a big deal for him. And I guess that is kind of what I miss right now. I miss – the uh, the rivalry there, and you were hoping like somebody, uh, the guy that just left, Will Ingnat, Ignat, 
Is that yeah, how Will you say Ignott, it? linebacker? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he just left. I know, and um, I keep up with the AHSA here a lot. And he was a great player. He was a very good player in Alabama high school system. I don't know what happened, but um, it, it was guys that would leave Alabama or leave Tennessee and, and go to the other one that would help make this rivalry very special. And I, I'm different from a lot of folks. You, you can certainly understand why there aren't a lot of love letters being sent to Phil Fulmer from the state of Alabama uh, to his home address. There might be some letters. They're not love related. Um, but he, uh, to me, I, I look at it as I, I want Tennessee to be better because I do enjoy this rivalry. And it's not as much fun when one of them is is not contributing to it. So I really do want Tennessee to, to get better. And I'm puzzled by the fact that they have not been able – to get over the proverbial hump. It just seems like there are a lot of things in place, but on the other side, and maybe you can speak to this, Tennessee is in a bit of a no man's land, geographically speaking. Knoxville um, is way on one end, the most recruiting hotbeds for Tennessee or, or Nashville and Memphis, which are good ways away from Knoxville, obviously. And then yet in the, in the uh, heyday, Tennessee would go and get a Heath Shuler from North Carolina or a Jay Graham um, from North Carolina or a uh, man, they got so many Atlanta. wide receivers from California and it, and Atlanta. Jamal Lewis from Georgia. Yeah. I mean, just, you could rattle off guys, but uh, now it seems like it's, I know they got Wanya Morris last year. They also got Darnell Wright. I want to ask you about those two guys and how they're performing, but um, you know, it seems like they're, they're not getting, as many of those nationally renowned guys anymore and, and what can be done to change that? Well, Tennessee has to win more games and there's a chicken and the egg aspect, uh, chicken or the egg aspect with this of you got to win more games to go get the recruits, but you need more recruits to win more games. That's why I've talked about Tennessee needs to be more consistent in playing well and beating teams like Vanderbilt, Kentucky, uh, Mississippi State, when a team like that pops up on the schedule, which Tennessee did beat, and then South Carolina. South Carolina's 3-0 and against Tennessee with Will Muschamp as the head coach. Tennessee needs to win more of those games to go to go get more recruits because the Vols are, you know, they're in the picture for a lot of these big-time players, but they're not winning enough of those battles yet. But getting guys like Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright is a really good start. Those guys are, I think, playing really well as true freshmen. They're the starting left and right tackles. And they are reasons for Tennessee fans to feel better about the future. So Tennessee went to West Virginia to get Darnell Wright. They went to, to Georgia to get Wanya Morris. Uh, Harrison Bailey and B.J. Ojolari are a couple of guys from Marietta, Georgia, who are committed in the 2020 class, highly touted guys. Ojolari uh, is a big-time player uh, – or excuse me, his older brother is a big-time player at Georgia. Quavaris uh, Crouch came from North Carolina. Henry Toa Toa chose Tennessee over Alabama. So there, there is one recruiting battle that Tennessee won – against the Crimson Tide going out to California to get Toa Toa. But you guys know Alabama is winning so many more of those battles. Georgia is, Clemson is. So Tennessee needs more of those players. And I just I think it's going to take time. Tennessee needs more player development. They need to build along the lines of scrimmage. And if that happens, then Tennessee is going to have a chance to be more competitive against teams like Alabama and Georgia. But there's just you know, there's work that has to be done. But the roster development that Alabama is able to put together because of the talent that comes in and then uh, the competition that they have within the roster and uh, the, you know, the, the joke 
as you probably know, around the SEC is, okay, Alabama loses a four or five star guy and here comes the next one in line. Uh, you know, that's happened at linebacker this year and Tennessee's not anywhere close to that. So it's just going to take time in recruiting and uh, Tennessee does need more wins to have more recruiting success. That's why what happens in the second half of the season, I think, is going to be so important. And, and Jeremy Pruitt's the head coach. He knows what it takes to win at that level. He's seen it firsthand, having coached at Alabama and having coached at Florida State for a year and Georgia as well. But uh, he needs more success on the field to give himself a chance, I think, to do that long term. Is there a clear, Josh, is there a clear is is there almost like a line of demarcation between the freshmen and the true sophomores in this team and the older kids to be a little brutally honest is it is it obvious to Tennessee fans that the freshmen and sophomores are just a more talented group than the juniors and seniors I think from just a raw talent standpoint yes that probably applies in a number of areas but uh it's it's been a big conversation I think this year and maybe since Jeremy Pruitt arrived that I think the staff needed to do a better job of recruiting the guys that they inherited, if that's the right way of saying okay. it, or uh, making sure that relationships were strong enough. And that part's not even my opinion. Jeremy Pruitt said that back in July at Media Days. He said that he didn't do a good enough job in his first year of developing relationships with players. And the freshmen, the newcomers, are absolutely a big part of the future, and a lot of them are a part of the now with Tooto starting at linebacker and Morrison and right at uh, left and right tackle. But Tennessee is still being led by veterans and, and Brian Maurer. He's playing now at quarterback. So there's another example. He's a freshman, although Tennessee still needed a fourth year guy, Jarrett Garantano uh, to help lead the way against Mississippi state. But Tennessee's best offensive lineman is Trey Smith. He's a junior. He's a Butch Jones guy. Tennessee's best offensive player overall is fifth-year senior Juwan Jennings. The second-best wide receiver is senior Marquez Calloway, a defender who's stepped up over the last few weeks and made plays, Nigel Warrior. The best defensive player is outside linebacker Daryl Taylor, fifth-year senior. Matthew Butler stepped up and made plays last week. He's a junior. So they're relying on freshmen, but I said at the beginning of the season, do not count out the 2016 and 17 guys because they are going to have to help lead the way. The guy who scored the game-winning touchdown for Tennessee last week against Mississippi State, senior wide receiver Tyler Bird. So those guys need to continue to play well through the rest of this season if Tennessee is going to reach its goal of of getting to the postseason. Hey, Josh, I, I got to ask you something. Are you scared to death of red LED lights or not? <laughs> yeah, so is, tell me, is how big of a deal and story is this? Because, you know, Tennessee fans are frustrated in the Eastern time zone of the 9 o'clock kickoff, so that's 8 o'clock local. Is is that a big part down there of the, yeah. the LED yes. lights and the show that it's well, going to yeah. be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's, wait, 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 Jimmy, hang on one second. I'll let you chime in. But, yeah, first of all, as I said, I told you off air, I'm almost 47. Jimmy, I, I, I think by his appearance, is almost 68. But – um. <laughs> But uh, we go to bed early and, and, you know, Alabama's been begging for a night kick because we got these new LED lights that everybody flipped out over when the, uh, Georgia played Notre Dame in Athens. They copied us. We got our LEDs first, man. And it's not, it's not very often that the state of Alabama beats the state of Georgia in some kind of advancement like that. Give us our moment. We can't turn them on at 11 o'clock in the morning when it's 98 degrees and the sun's beating down. So we finally get to turn these on. And ironically, we're going to have to turn them on and they'll probably lead us right on into the morning. But yeah, I can't imagine how frustrating it is 
for you guys. I mean, at kickoff at nine o'clock, that that's that's pretty that's pretty doggone late. But go ahead, Jimmy. So as I say kicking off at nine, kicking off a college football game at nine p.m. It, it, it's outrageous, really. It's outrageous. But I guess that's just what we have with the SEC network and all all of the networks that are that that put the SEC on air. They want to show all the games, so all the times have to be staggered. And this is the card that we drew. Uh, as as Luke said, uh, when, when when Alabama was first introduced to the the new LED lights, it was in a promo that the Alabama Athletic Department put out, uh, and it was kind of a secret. It, w- it wasn't well known, and then they put out a promo showing these great lights, and everybody got super excited about it because, frankly, hadn't seen anything like it. And then it's one day game after another. Alabama's not gotten to use them at all. Georgia got to use theirs before Alabama, even though Alabama installed their lighting system prior to Georgia. Georgia installed their system after learning of Alabama's. So Jimmy, and then Georgia got to show it off to the world. And Jimmy, you know, it just made me think of something that we really were thinking, oh my God. And and since the LSU game is not going to uh, be a night game, our LED lights may be like that Chuck Norris joke about his tears curing cancer. Too bad he never cries. I mean, our LED lights may be awesome, but too bad nobody, nobody ever sees them. <laughs> That's right. But so I think Alabama fans are 50% excited about finally getting to see the light show and 50% frustrated over the kickoff times. I know it's got to really, I'm sure the rest of the league, Josh and Tennessee fans view it as, you know, what a lot of the league calls as Alabama problems, which, which tend to not be quite on the misery scale as let, let's say for instance, a, a Vanderbilt problem or, or, or something like that. But Alabama, uh, has not you know we kicked off so many games at 2:30. I mean so many games are 2:30 and you don't want to complain that's the premier game it's the CBS is the premier broadcast of SEC football but it's one 2:30 or 3 o'clock broadcast after another and then we're finally granted a night game and it's 8 p.m. local 9 p.m. eastern so there's some frustration over the kickoff times I think Alabama fans are like can't we kick off at 6 p.m. like normal human beings I think it's kind of the, the question, but uh, again, we also realize it's, it's, it's Alabama problems. It's not the yeah, problems I can tell of you the, on face. the Tennessee side, locked on Vols listeners right now are rolling their eyes, Jimmy, at, uh, <laughs> at the, the complaining of the kickoff times. Yeah. T- and Tennessee's in a position where they're not the first or second pick often of what the kickoff times are going to be because of the results. So yeah, as, as fans might be, complaining about right. some of the kickoff times or the the lights not being able right. to to be seen as much as the fans want to Tennessee fans are worried about much bigger issues oh, uh, sure. like uh, can, can they get can they get into the top 2 or 3 with some of their top prospects who by the way already have Alabama in there so uh yeah the Tennessee fans I can just tell you they're they're going to not gonna, they're not going to have any sympathy for Alabama or Alabama fans at any point anytime soon yeah and I think there's a realization of that and I think the the complaining to one extent is I think Alabama supporters and fans realizing that what we're complaining about is not exactly complaining about something that's uh, something that causes a great deal of misery. I'm sure everyone else in the league would like, well, if you want to trade us those 2:30 CBS broadcasts, we'll be glad to take them. I, I, I realize that, but I think the the real complaints were two things. Number one, in these September games that's been played for years, LSU, which has had somewhat similar success to Alabama in the last decade 
they apparently get to kick off at night all the time in September. I think off the top of my head, 21 times they've played a night game in September where Alabama's only played six times in a night game in September. I think Alabama's real complaint was, why does it appear that one team in the league gets to kick off when they request it and no one else seems to get this? I think that's a legitimate, I wouldn't call it a complaint, but a question. And secondly, and uh, Josh or any Tennessee fan knows this, everybody in the SEC knows this, when you kick off at 11 a.m. or noon or 1 o'clock in September in the South, it's hot. It's it's dangerous for the fans who want to sit out there for three or four hours, and there needs to be some legitimate concern from somewhere out there, not just at Alabama, but really all over the South. It's pretty dangerous. When the weather people put out a heat advisory, and they tell 100,000 people, well, you're going to have to sit outside at 1 o'clock. You know, they wouldn't put those people out there in a, in a bad weather situation, but they put them out there repeatedly uh, when, are these, when these heat advisories happen. And, and I think at one game this year, Alabama had as many as 40 or 50 people tended to by EMS, you know, in the stands because it's, it's just that hot. Yeah, uh, I just I don't think the TV networks are going to think about that very often, and uh, maybe they should. But you know, it's the it's the southeast for everybody, I guess, pretty much, and yeah, it's uh, sure. it's not changing. But I mean, Alabama's schedule. I'm I'm not sure which game in September was really a a big draw. So part of, you know part of its scheduling, if if they're bigger games or later in the year, then September is just probably not going to bring in uh, too many big time night games unless right. it's unless it's the uh, yeah, the neutral site game, which is often a big deal, uh, Duke this season, right. but bigger opponents I know more often. They have some home and home, but um, uh, I, again, Tennessee fans, they're just going to roll their eyes at this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, Under, I know, G- Jimmy, even I was sitting here going, I'm really starting to dislike <laughs> Alabama fans while you're talking right now. <laughs> I lost like eight pounds at one game. Eight pounds. It's um, a- the good news is I bet you made it up uh in in liquor so it works out um josh we've only got a few more minutes here so i want you to do a couple things for me first of all tell me your favorite alabama tennessee memory and then give me a prediction for this weekend well i'm probably a little bit biased in the answer because i've had a chance to get to know joey kent so i would go to that 95 game um 03 cj phaeton on fourth down that's a big play in tennessee history against alabama as well uh, more recent history for sure, uh, but I would go to to Joey Kent. Uh, it was also it was a great call by the late John Ward, and I've had a chance to talk to Joey about that and uh, you know what it meant to him. So uh, I, I think that's going to stand out to a lot of Tennessee fans, uh, you know, somewhere in my age range and uh, old, older fans who have seen more Tennessee Alabama games are going to have different answers. But that's the beauty of a rivalry. That's why I think so many people on both sides want the game to be more competitive so more memories can be made and uh, younger Tennessee and Alabama fans who are watching the series moving forward assuming it it stays in place and right now that would appear to be the case that more competitive games whether Alabama wins or Tennessee wins that we can have more to talk about because we just don't have much recently Uh, from the Alabama side I guess there's the Terrence Cody blocks uh, in 09 but that's not a good memory for Tennessee fans. So uh, I'll go 95, Joey Kent on play number one, going 80 yards against Alabama's defense, uh, a special play. Uh, this week, I, just, I, don't, I don't think Tennessee's going to be all that competitive. I do think Tennessee can cover that number, but part of that might be because of what Jeremy Pruitt said at his press conference earlier this week, that 
Nick Saban's taking it easy on some teams, uh, Tennessee included. But the Vols have to play sound up front. The improved play on the line of scrimmage needs to be there, I think, for Tennessee against Alabama. And if that's the case, then it can be closer throughout. I just have a difficult time seeing Tennessee's secondary having any kind of chance of covering those wide receivers for Alabama. It's it's an incredible group with Tua Tungavailoa delivering the football. So uh, I think Alabama wins by a number close to 27 to 30 points in the end. And uh, for Alabama, I think that'd be good enough for Tennessee. That might be something to build on heading into the South Carolina game. Tennessee has to take care of the football, though. If Tennessee turns it over a bunch, then it could get out of hand and uh, be closer to what we saw last year where it was a 37-point win for Alabama. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else that just dawned on me. If uh, the Bear and the General, if you told them that, hey, in, or sometime clo- in the uh, 2019 time frame, there'll be two Hawaiians that are very important for, for each team uh, in the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry, they would have called you crazy. So that's just uh, – it's interesting how the – uh, the recruiting net has been widened uh, for all teams all across the country. But Josh, man, we certainly appreciate your being on the podcast with us today and um, can't wait to uh, talk to you again sometime in the future, buddy. Yeah. Good to, good to be with you guys. Uh, appreciate the collaboration for this Friday episode heading into the weekend and uh, look forward to seeing what happens this weekend. And I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future about Tennessee and Alabama. And I hope that we're doing that in a, a more competitive sense uh, between the two sides. Yeah, us too, Sorry. bud, us too. Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, thanks a lot, Josh. And uh, even, even though, uh, you know, Luke had mentioned Phil Fulmer earlier, and uh, it's true why he probably doesn't get, probably doesn't get a lot of Valentine's Day cards from Alabama fans. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt does. Uh, I, I think that's kind of a, another kind of a uh, anomaly in this series right now. I wouldn't say uh, necessarily there's a lot of Alabama fans that now have a, a second favorite team. It's not like that. But I do think that Alabama fans across the board really respect and appreciate what Jeremy Pruitt did for Alabama and uh, and don't wish any ill will upon him uh, no matter where he's working. And, uh, uh, you know, and I know Jeremy myself uh, personally, great guy, and uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully can have a good October, November. Tennessee fans are hoping for that for sure, and uh, and that's something worth mentioning. Philip Fulmer is the athletic director. Jeremy Pruitt is the head coach, having played and coached at, at Alabama, now leading Tennessee's program. They both understand the importance of this game and the rivalry and the standard that Alabama has set, and that's what Tennessee's trying to get to. So that's something to consider uh, moving forward as well. So uh, really appreciate the conversation, guys. Thanks so much for, uh, for uh, putting this together. Uh, enjoyed it. All right, Thanks, and Josh. really, really quickly, Josh, I want to let you know if you guys do happen to fire Jeremy Pruitt, we are going to welcome welcome him with open <laughs> arms to the Nick Saban School of Wayward Coaches, uh, and he is going to be on our sidelines again in some capacity. You can just bet your bottom dollar on that. But uh, best of luck to you this weekend, buddy, and we'll catch up with you again soon, okay? You got it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening.